0: Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen into to this week's message. If you have your Bibles, let's roll. We're going to preach the Word of God and get into the Word of God. My text is going to be from Acts chapter 17, and verse 4. Let me pray, and then we'll move into the Word of God. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed in this place. We give you the preeminent spot to do what you desire to do and to move how you desire to move throughout the remainder of this service and even the next service. Lord, I pray that you would give your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and the heart to perceive what the spirit of the Lord is saying, that we might turn and be healed. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray that the power of your word, Father, which is a two-edged sword, would penetrate and do what it is created to do. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for that awesome response. So this morning, I want to give you a part two, part two of Christianity that works. Tell them, tell someone next to you, this is going to be part two. If you were here on November the 6th, this was part one. I want to give you a part two and really talk to you about the effectiveness of what God's called us to do in the walk-in with Christianity that works. So check this out. Christianity that works is one that impacts the lives of the people that we are around, but it also transforms the life of the beholder. When we talk about a Christianity that works, we're not talking about something that's that's broken because here's the reality. If your Christianity is not impacting people around you and if it is not transforming you, your Christianity is broken. it is broken. It's broken like a five-year-old with a cheap toy on Christmas Day. It is something that's broken with it. But we're not talking about a broken Christianity. We're talking about a Christianity that has the power to impact, transform, and change lives. Right up the street, I saw this this store called the Urban Monk as I was driving into the church this morning and I kind of chuckled and laughed because it is the same as ineffective Christianity. It is an oxymoron because here's the reality. A monk is someone who uh, secludes themselves from society and go out to the wilderness for spiritual enlightenment. So it's a separation from the urban. Urban is a place where there is a, a large population density and the proximity of many people. So when we say an urban monk, we're talking about an oxymoron, two things that are never meant to connect or be apart. And when we talk about ineffective Christianity, we are also talking about an oxymoron because if you are a Christian, which means to be Christ-like, there is nothing ineffective with Jesus. Anything that's connected with Christ must function the way that it was created. Because if you read throughout the Bible, anyone that came into contact with Christ was transformed. They never stayed the same. Either they got better or they got worse, but they never remained in the condition they were in when Christ met them. So when we talk about a Christianity that works, we're talking about simply connecting with the one that created us and saved us and having an external impact in society and also living out something that has internal transformation. So let's talk about a Christianity that works. Number one, Christianity works because it produces external impact in the communities where believers of Christ live, the Apostle Paul recorded in Acts chapter seventeen, and I'm actually going to go to verse verse four. Paul is in Thessalonica. Thessalonica and he is preaching the gospel to the Jews. He's going for three consecutive Sabbaths to preach the gospel to the Jews in the synagogue. And now in the fourth week or the fourth weekend, he is now going into the marketplace and he's going to preach to everybody in that village or in that community or town. So in verse four, it says this, it says some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Along with many God fearing men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous. Come on, they got some haters when you start doing something for Jesus. There's no haters in this house, but I'm just saying there's haters when you begin to work for Jesus. So the troublemakers gathered in the marketplace to form a mob and they started a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas, so they could drag them out of the crowd, not finding anyone there. They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. They said, Paul and Silas has caused trouble all over the world, and now they are here, disturbing our city too. And Jason welcomed them to his home And they were all guilty of treason against Caesar for they professed allegiance to another king named Jesus. There was such an effective level of Christianity that Paul lived. It had these impacts. And I want to give you a couple of impacts that Paul's Christianity or ministry have. Number one, Paul's preaching and teaching concerning Jesus being the Messiah persuaded some of the Jews, the God-fearing Greeks, and the prominent women to start following and serving Jesus. Who were these people in Thessalonica and in this town? These were the people of influence. These were the movers and the shakers in Thessalonica. These were the people that everyone listened to like E.F. Hutton. When they spoke, people listened. And Paul not only reached the poor and the disenfranchised, but he reached the people of great influence and impact within their society. See, when you have an authentic version of Christianity, it's going to reach into every strata of society and create great impact. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those wave pools. Well, see, you guys kind of got it. You know, I'm going to say us because now I'm a part of you. We're kind of spoiled out here in California because you have the Pacific Ocean. But places around the country where you don't have these beautiful waves coming in that you can surf on, they have these swimming pools called wave pools. And basically, it's a swimming pool, and they have a huge flap that blows these waves in to create fake waves. I don't know if you've never seen one. I mean, you know, it's kind of cheesy and it's cheap, but I mean, you know, some people have to do what they have to do. And wherever Paul went, he created waves. He caused the impact in every area of society. When people of influence are saved in a city, town, or region, they are able to make their influence and impact known in every facet of society. In the state of Louisiana, one of our U.S. senators is a born-again Christian. And I want to show you the impact of why we have to reach people of influence. He is a born-again Christian. And what he's done in the city of New Orleans, which is the largest city in the state of Louisiana, he has brought together... Republicans and Democrats and independents, blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, males and females, and clergy. He's brought all of these groups together and he literally on multiple occasions have sat down in a church with us and he's asked us, how can I help you as the clergy and the ministers of the city of New Orleans and here in South Louisiana, how can I help you impact your communities and touch your neighborhoods a u.s senator i'm not talking about some broke busted councilman i'm talking about somebody that has national influence and listen if you're a councilman i'm sorry i'm not calling you broke and busted I'm... there's just levels to this game i'm just saying a u.s senator is sitting down with a room full of pastors asking them how can he support us to impact the communities, neighborhoods, and regions that we serve. See, when Christianity is operating at this highest level, at this Apostle Paul level, it begins to reach people that have the power to change and shift the consequences of cities, towns, and regions. See, we can't sit back on our laurels and say, well, it's all about, it's me, my, and and my few, and I'm not worried about anybody else. No, 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 no. We need to be concerned about other people and allow the manifested, resurrected Christ to impact their lives so that they can take what they've received from the Lord and touch and impact others. And I'm believing there's going to be some senators from the state of California and some councilmen and mayors and people in this region that's going to be impacted by the power, the resurrection power of Christ Jesus. And through their impact, they're going to start serving their communities because the Lord says, if you want to be great, you must be like a servant. And they're going to take up the servant's cloth and begin serving the areas that they've been elected to serve. Can I give an amen? Amen. The second thing that Paul and Silas' ministry did externally, impact-wise, was their witness was so powerful that they gained a reputation as people who are turning the world upside down. Now, I don't know about you. But that is a reputation to have, that when you walk into a room, when you walk into a business, when you walk into your job or your place of employment, when you go into your school or your college, that they say, hey, there go Lexi, that's the girl who is turning our college upside down. That's Al Roulette, that's the guy who is turning his job upside down. That's so-and-so, the one who is turning this place upside down. Be a person that lives with such an anointing and grace upon your life that when people see you, they say this place is not the same when they walk in because the atmosphere has just shifted because of who lives on the inside of them. You need to stop trying to fit in with everybody. Look, some people at work you don't need to be friends with. That brother at the water cooler gossiping and talking about everybody busted shoes and, and wrinkled clothes. That person is not the one you need to be hanging out with at work. Come on. Sister Bucketmouth over there talking and saying stuff she doesn't know about is not the one that you need to be hanging out with at school. I'm sorry, she's in Louisiana. She, she doesn't live here in California. My, my apologies. She's not on the West Coast. <laughs> And my question to to you today is, what is your testimony? What do unbelievers say about you when you as a believer walk into the room? Do they say you're just like us? You talk like us, act like us, think like us, walk like us? Or do they say, whoa, the man of God just walked in the room. Whoa, the woman of God has just stepped into this place. See, because when Paul went to Thessalonica, they said the men who have turned the world upside down has just showed up in our city and they intend on doing the same thing they did there. They plan on doing it here. Mm. The Romans were mighty. Mighty. But Paul carried the resurrected one on the inside of him. Rome couldn't compete. Rome couldn't compete. Listen, the devil and some of your coworkers should not be able to compete with the Holy Ghost that's living on the inside of you. Oh, that was weak. That was weak. That was weak. Come on. Uh, some, uh, do we need to start serving coffee in the lobby? The- <laughs> Somebody needs some caffeine this morning. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to mess with y'all this morning. You know? <laughs> Some of y'all still full of turkey and, and stuffing and cranberry sauce. I, <laughs> it was a period I worked at Cadillac of New Orleans. I worked at a car dealership. And, and car dealerships are not known for their virtue and honesty and integrity. <laughs> And I had a general manager that, and and I know I'm in church, but just bear with me. There was a comedian, Andrew Dice Clay, very derogatory and nasty. And this was the general manager's favorite comedian. So he would quote these derogatory jokes at work and was totally inappropriate. And I remember this one day, I, I fast once a week and I had been fasting that day and I walked into his office because we were doing a deal to sell a vehicle and I sat down in front of him and then on my phone, I had Psalm 23, and while I was waiting for him to do my deal, it just kept scrolling and reading it silently to myself. And all of a sudden, this ungodly, derogatory, terrible joke-telling man started coming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he started talking about God and asking me questions about God. Now, I had not opened my mouth up to even witness to him, but just sitting in proximity to him and him sensing and feeling the presence of Jesus (laughs) caused him to stop and start talking about the Lord. And I even for a moment had to pause like, "What, what is this brother doing right now? And the Holy Spirit says, he's feeling my presence. He's feeling the conviction in the room right now. If you were true, and that was in the marketplace, that wasn't in the church, that was at a car dealership. I don't want to hear, well, I don't work at the church, so I can't, I can't, listen. The Lord in you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's what's in my Bible. I believe you have the same, it's in your scriptures too. There should be something inside of you that when you step into the room, that devil's, the knees start buckling and and shaking and quaking. Mm. Praise God. And third and final, the external impact of a Christianity that works. Paul and Silas witness was so powerful in Thessalonica that those who professed Christ had become guilty of treason before Rome because they now pledged their allegiance to Jesus as their king instead of Caesar. See, there was something in Rome called the sacramentum, which was the sacred oath before the gods. Whenever someone said Caesar is Lord, they made the oath before the gods of Rome that Caesar was the only Lord that they serve and they were subject to the authority and the laws of Caesar. But when these people in Thessalonica, these movers and shakers, these people of influence got saved, they stopped professing Caesar's Lord and they started saying that Jesus is Lord. And when they did, they actually broke laws. That's the reason why it says they were committing acts of treason. But how great is the influence of Christ that it will cause someone to say, I'm turning away from the world and its ways and its systems, and I'm turning towards the things of God. And now my business, my family, my life, my finances, everything will be targeted to bring in Jesus Christ's glory. There needs to be a BC before Christ and an AD. There needs to be, this is who I was before I met him, and this is who I am now since I've met him. If you have met him and you've stayed the same, you have a broken Christianity. But I want to let you know this morning we got the repair shop, we got the mechanics, we got the tools. We're going to fix that thing in the name of Jesus. The second main aspect of a Christian that works is Christianity produces transformation in the life of the believer. It produces transformation in the life of the believer. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 15. Hmm. 1 Timothy 15 is, says this. This is the apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. He said, everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save a sinner, and I am the worst of them all. He said, but God had mercy on me so that Christ could use me as a prime example of his great mercy, his great patience, and even uh, even with the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life Paul's salvation experience was so dramatic that when people saw him it was a testimony that Christ had the power to save the worst sinner Listen, Apostle Paul was not a boy scout. He was not walking around selling cupcakes around his town and his region. When he, before his salvation, he was persecuting and jailing and having Christians murdered and killed. He was going out of his way to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And then he was saved and he went from being the worst persecutor of the church to becoming the greatest proponent of the church. He became the one that Preach the gospel harder stronger with more anointing and more fervency than anybody else because of the gratitude because of the gratitude he had for Christ saving him being the worst of sinners yeah. Mm. Yeah. see Alan Redpath said this he will transform you into his likeness you do the beholding, and he does the transforming. You behold His beauty and His glory, and then Christ transforms you. Transformation, Metamorphosis. Look at your neighbor say metamorphosis. Yes. Metamorphosis. Transformation, the butterfly. See, a transformation is when you go from being one organism into a totally different organism. A caterpillar is something that crawls on the ground has limited range and movement but then they go into a cocoon and in that cocoon they experience metamorphosis or transformation. When they have been in that cocoon for a certain period of time they come out as a butterfly and for those of you who may not know the monarch butterfly has the ability to fly over 3,000 miles from here in the United States of America all the way to the southern part of Mexico because the transformation in the life of the butterfly is so radical that where they could only move so many feet as a caterpillar, now they can fly thousands of miles as a butterfly because they have been transformed. And we know from the Bible that nature bears witness of the, the existence of God. So when God gives us the butterfly, he's giving us a reflection of what happens in the life of the believer or the person who has experienced real metamorphosis or transformation through the blood of Jesus. Don't tell me you're the same person you were before Jesus came in your life. That's impossible. It's impossible. Come on. I'm no longer the same. I'm not who I was, and I'm not yet who I will be, but I am a different person because I have been transformed. Watchman Nee says this. He said the God who can change a sinner into a Christian by giving him his life can equally transform a carnal Christian and to a spiritual one by giving him a more abundant life. Listen. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't, don't settle and say, I'm good enough. No. God, I want more. I want more. Listen. I see some of your waistline this morning. Yeah, a couple of days ago, you were at the table saying, I want some more. I want some more turkey and some stuff. Listen, if you can ask for some more of that, come on, can we not ask for more of Jesus? And finally, Christianity works because we choose to make it work. Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The New Living Translation says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now I am away. It is even more important In my absence, work to show the results of your salvation. Oh, I'm going to read that again because that's some good stuff right there. See, when something's good, you got to repeat it. You got to go back for seconds. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. They should know when they see. Hmm. Obey God with deep reverence and fear. I'm closing with this. 2 Timothy 1, five says this. I love this. This is such a legacy of faith. Paul speaking to Timothy said, I remember your genuine faith, Timothy. And he said, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know or I'm persuaded that this faith continues with you. It's strong in you. So he said, what I saw in your grandmother and what I see in your mom, Timothy, I also see that faith inside of you. Why? Because Timothy was working it, his mom was working it, his grandmother was working it, and it was evident to the Apostle Paul that these people were working hard to show the results of their salvation. I believe that Elk Grove is going to know that there are people who are working hard to show that Jesus Christ is real because they are walking in a transformative Christianity that works and it is very evident and obvious that Jesus is living with them. We're not doing that phony baloney stuff we see on Facebook and television, amen? Oh, we're going to jump into the deep waters. I'm going to say that again. We're going to jump into the deep waters, amen? Amen. Praise God. A Christianity at works is not exclusive to us, but should have a societal impact which comes from internal transformation. God is so awesome. Worship team, could you come up? I want to first give the call concerning Christianity that works to those who do not know Christ Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. See, it works when you first come to the cross. If you say this morning, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ, I want to give my life to the Lord, I want to pray with you here at the altar. This season is a beautiful season because this is the season well, we're celebrating so many things. But the Bible says when one sinner repents of their sins, the angels in heaven celebrate and rejoice. We can have a party here, but I want heaven to celebrate and rejoice and have a party up there, amen? If you say, I need to give my heart to Jesus today, Pastor John, I've been running, or I... I know him, I know about him, and I just need to make a fresh commitment today. I need, to, I need to surrender some things. I need to let go of some things, and I need to go all in. I need to give 100%. If you say that's me, I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, just come and meet me here at the altar. We're not going to pray long, but I just want to pray with you and believe God to do something. Amen. Amen to give you a couple of more minutes amen thank you my brother praise God thank you God's gonna change your life anybody else is the whole if the Holy Spirit is convicting you and dealing with you if he's dealing with you right now that's him saying come come I want to change you I want to transform you anybody else as we pray for this this salvation or rededication altar to call anybody else today's the day of salvation. Do not leave this place saying, I wish I had. You don't have to wish anything. We could do this right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, my sister. Anybody else? We're not going to drag this out. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Mm. You guys look at me real quick. If you've ever taken your vehicle to the car wash, praise God, and it's dirty and there's mud and grime all over your vehicle and then you bring it through that car wash and it's clean and it's shiny. This is what the Lord is going to do, but he doesn't wash you with water. He washes you with his blood and he's going to cleanse you. Paul said, I am the greatest of sinners, but my testimony is that he saved me so that people would know that he is real. As we pray this prayer of repentance, this prayer of salvation, you are not going to leave this place. Y'all look at me. You are not going to leave this place the same way that you came. You're going to leave as a different person. Amen. If you're in the, your seats, just extend your hands towards them and let's pray this prayer together. This is the prayer of repentance. We're going we're to confess this before the Lord and we're going to confess this together, amen. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive your forgiveness today. And I ask you to transform my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died. He rose again on the third day. And he is at the right hand of the Father. And what he died to give me, I accept it. And I receive it today. I receive his salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen just stay there. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for these who have surrendered their hearts to you today, Lord God. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, they are no longer the same even as they've come here to repent and ask you for forgiveness and mercy in their lives, God. I declare that every chain is broken and every yoke of the enemy is destroyed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare and decree, Father God, that they're going to walk different, they're going to talk different, they're going to live different, and they're going to be different, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, that right after Thanksgiving, Lord God, we can celebrate again and give you Thanksgiving because of the salvation and the repentance of your son and your daughters today in the name of Jesus. God, we bless you, Father. We thank you, Father God. We praise you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all of God's people, say it. Amen and amen. Praise God. If I want all of you to go with my sister. She's going to take care of you and give you some books and talk to you about Christ. I want to tell you, thank you so much. We are here for you and we're going to see you run this race and live for Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Here's the last part of the altar call. If you say, I'm ready to go deeper. I want more and I want to do more. If that's you, just stand up where you're at and we're going to pray and believe God that he's going to help you to enter in and go to a deeper level of your Christianity. Amen. Father, right now you see those who are standing saying, I want the more, I want the more, I desire the more. Holy Spirit, I know that you have been speaking to people and dealing with people and talking to them throughout this message, but I pray for a grace and the anointing to rest upon them, oh God, that will cause them to accelerate, Lord God. I declare and decree where there has been stagnation, Father God, and where things have been held up, I declare that a flow and a release of the Spirit will begin manifesting in their lives, God. I pray, Father, that they would have a more effective witness. Lord, they would have a greater prayer life, that their hunger for the Word of God would become insatiable, Lord God. And Father, even where there are i Uh, uh, spiritual issues or sin issues or just struggles, Lord, in the walk. I thank you that the back of those struggles have broken, Lord, because the Word of God is a two-edged sword, and we take the sword of the Spirit, and we sever every hindrance, Lord God, in the lives of your people today. God, we declare that they're going to walk in a greater anointing, Lord God. They're going to walk in a greater capacity, and they're going to walk in a greater level with you than they ever have before Lord God strengthen your sons and your daughters oh God strengthen them Father God to run this race with endurance Lord God and we're believing you that you're going to do something glorious and magnificent in their lives in the mighty name of your son Jesus Christ if anybody know that he is good let me hear you say a good amen Amen. hallelujah amen Amen. pastor Gary come up God bless you. We love you guys. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, Stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.